earlier, we went to Bible conference a few months back, and one of the things that uh, God was working in my heart about was helping us to be more of a community. Uh, unfortunately, this is something that we are weak in, and we need to be more healthy in this. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, because what often happens is we, we grow callous in, uh, um, in, in many ways. A bit like, uh, you ever heard the illustration of the frog in the, in the frying pan? A lot of times that, that happens where uh, if, if you throw a frog in boiling water, it's going to jump out. But if you put the frog in the water and, and you slowly turn the, turn the heat up, eventually you can kill the frog. You can boil it in its own blood. But it, it, you have to do that slowly. I think that's what's happening in a lot of Christians' lives in, in, in local churches. We're just we're slowly uh, killing ourselves, so to speak, because it's just it's been a, a gradual shift over the years. Back in the 1800s, if you if you've ever read about Charles Spurgeon, for example, in London, uh, back then community sermon listening was 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 almost the norm. Uh, people. People didn't have televisions and all, all sorts of uh, world's dis- distractions as much like we do today. Uh, the thing to do back then was to go and hear the preacher preach. The preacher's sermons made it into the, the newspapers. <laughs> that doesn't happen today, does it? So what's happened is it's a bit like our eyesight sometimes. If you haven't gone to see the eye doctor over several years, you, you might think your eyesight's fine, and then, you know, somebody might say, hey, you need to go see the eye doctor, and you go and see the eye doctor, and you come to find out your eyesight has, has shifted dramatically, and you just didn't realize it because it was, it was a very slow, gradual process. That's what's happened in the church over the last couple hundred years. And we've, we've gotten to a point where uh, most churches around the world, not just in New Zealand, but around the world, community sermoning, sermon listening is something that doesn't happen. We may not even know what it is. So what I'm, what I'm going to propose to you today is this, is why sermon listening and fellowship belong together. Okay, That's, that's my proposal to you today, is why sermon listening and fellowship belong together. You've all come to listen to a sermon, to worship with God's people, hopefully. I don't know if you've come to fellowship or not, but that is one of the core activities of the local church, one of the reasons you should be here. But my exhortation to you is to take those, uh, both of those things and put them together. There's been uh, a lot of concerning trends in our world, and I'm going to share some of those with you today. We, we have... Uh, in our society become very individualistic. And uh, what, what we'll call this is autonomous sermon listening trends. There's a lot of autonomous or individualistic sermon listening trends. And by the way, uh, not all these things are bad. In fact, y- yesterday uh, when I was working, uh, one of the things I had to do is I had to drive product up to Auckland Airport. And, and I was able to listen to a couple sermons. But I did it individually. And it was profitable, but it could have been more profitable. Community sermon listening would have been more profitable for me, but of course, I couldn't carry you all with me. <laughs> it's something I had to do by myself. So let me share some of these, the, the phenomenon that's going on today. I, I don't even know if you're familiar with some of these. Some of them were, were new to me. For example, this, this first one, virtual church. You, you can... You can have virtual church all by yourself. You can, you can make up your own Christian avatar uh, in, in a 3D version online. And, and you say, well, what is an avatar? Well, uh, that's in the virtual world. An avatar is a digital persona that you can create and customize. You can make it look like you. You can make it do the sort of stuff, you know, Whatever you want it to do and look like, you can do it. You customize it. You create it. It's you only in 3D on the Internet. So you can create an avatar that resembles your real life, or you can create some alternate identity. If you don't like your real life, well, then a lot of people just go and 
and create a, an alternate identity. And so really the only limitation there is your imagination. And believe me, there's heaps of websites that will accommodate you. And so people who, for whatever reason, you know, don't want to go to church or they don't like their church or whatever, they can have virtual church online in a 3D Christian avatar version of it. And so they can go and, you know, they can, they can uh, have everything the way they want it. You know, if they don't like their avatar, they can change it. If they don't like that virtual church, they can go to another one and find one that fits everything the way they want it to be. That's one of the phenomenons we're dealing with today. So, man, if you do, if if you want your music this way, you can find it. If you if you know if you don't like a man preacher, you can find a woman preacher. If you can go online and you can have Lord's Supper with other Christian avatars, and you can get baptized, your Christian avatar can get baptized online. You can do all this sort of stuff together, but you're not really together. You're autonomous. Another phenomenon going on today is this self-designed streaming. That's it's they, they call them these online churches. Uh, here's what one. In fact, one website said this uh, when I was doing some research on this. Uh, it said, uh, "Welcome to the Christ Gospel Churches International Incorporated live streaming site." <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, it goes on to say, "Please join us every Friday for online sermons streamed live from the church's headquarters in." Jeffersonville, Indiana, by the Reverend Bernice Hicks. That was just one of the many you can find. And so you can you can have this live streaming video coming into your computer or your iPad or whatever, you know, uh, wherever you are, whenever you want, pretty much, you can do it. And by the way, again, I, I, I'm, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying all of these things are bad. But whenever you have something, there's, there's going to be pros and cons to it. Okay? A lot of these things are helpful. But a lot of them are not. Okay? Uh, there, there is going to be the downside to these you need to be aware of. And so, you know, you, again, you, it's, you can customize these. Or if you don't like that, you go and find something else. And you do it in the privacy of your home. It's all individual. It's all autonomous. There's no community. Another one that isn't so new anymore is religious television. In New Zealand, we have Shine TV, right? And you you can you can go online and you can watch Shine TV, and they got heaps of things there. And, and as I was studying about this, I found that in the United States alone, there's 1,600 television and radio stations just in the United States alone. And so you can pretty much find whatever you want. Another phenomenon these days is megachurches. Megachurches, I don't know exactly how they define that, but some have defined it as anything that's a thousand people or more. Uh, The biggest megachurch in the United States is over 22,000 people. And so people, you, you can go and you can, and some people, you might think you're part of a community, but you can go in in these sort of churches and you can be autonomous. You can be unknown. Oh, I've had many friends who, who've, uh, who've gone to uh, mega churches. In fact, not long ago I was talking to one and he, he said, uh, he was talking with a guy and he asked, and the guy asked him, so, uh, so where are you from? Oh, okay. And so he answered the question, so how long? Oh, you, you mean you, you've been here before? Yeah, I've come here for 15 years. And these guys had never even said hello or had any sort of conversation with one another. They didn't even know each other. 15 years, okay. And that's one of the problems in megachurches. Is you, you, you can, if you want to remain anonymous, it's easy. Very easy. So there's, there's no real community. And, and so... The, the, the leadership in these churches, they try to uh, combat that. Again, I'm not, I'm not trying to destroy megachurches here. That's not the point of this. But uh, one of the, they know a lot of the leadership of these churches know the, 
the, the weaknesses is lack of community, and so they're always trying to combat that with small groups or various other ways. Now, I know many, many healthy churches that are over a thousand people, okay? Uh, so it doesn't, just because it's big doesn't make it unhealthy, but uh, one of the inherent weaknesses of that is you can remain autonomous. And so what happens sometimes with, with these is you had, then you've got another phenomenon we have going on today called multi-site churches. So maybe they outgrow the building. For example, let's say, you know, if, here, for example, if, you know, Lord willing, if God should bless us where we have over 500 people, we're going to outgrow this place. So what, are you gonna, what do you do next, right? Well, we can't add, we can't add on to this building because it doesn't belong to us. So then what? What do you do? Well, a lot of churches have that problem. They've outgrown it, so they've got to figure out what, what are they going to do next. So sometimes they add on, and, and they have an what might be called an overflow room, and they'll live stream the service into the overflow room, or sometimes the, these multi-site churches will have uh, different buildings, property somewhere else. They might own it. They might not. Sometimes it's on the other side of the city. Sometimes it's in a different uh, county or state or province region, and sometimes it's even in another country. And so they'll just live stream the service wherever that other site might be. So what a phenomenon, these multi-site churches that even in other countries. And so there, there's some churches, really big churches, they might have three, four, five multi-sites. They don't really have a pastor per se. They're, they can go and they can they can come in and they can watch the the mother church so to speak do what they do and just watch it on the screen live. And a lot of times, what goes with these mega churches and these multi-site churches and this sort of stuff is you end up with international pastors, international pastors, and uh, part of that is, is is a result of not only the the big mega churches and multi-site churches, but it's, it's the Internet that is producing international pastors. Uh, some have called them rock star pastors. Some have called them the famous pastors or the celebrity pastors. They're, they're the ones who get the most hits on the Internet. You know, if you go to sermonaudio.com or Sermon Index or Sermon Cloud or in New Zealand we have Resonate or whatever, you know, these are the guys with millions and millions of downloads. So unfortunately, you get you get guys like me that you can't compete with that, and a lot of people in congregations are discontent with with the preachers that they listen to because they're listening to the international pastors. Let me just tell you right now: you need to guard your heart against that. I'm not saying stop listening to international pastors, but you got to guard your heart against the discontentment that can come from listening to them because. Guys like me can't compete with them. And so you can grow discontent and say, man, I wish my pastor would be like that when God didn't make us all the same. Another phenomenon today that's uh, contributing to autonomous sermon listening is the Internet sermon libraries. Hey, if you can't make it to church, you can listen to free online sermons. And that's a blessing. I do it all the time uh, when, when God provides me time to do that. If I'm mowing grass, you know, I'll, I'll put the things in my ears, put the headphones on so I can listen to a sermon, or if I'm driving to Auckland or whatever, uh, you know, I can listen to a sermon. It's a blessing. What a blessing that is. But it's all autonomous. It's just me. I don't get to discuss that. Nobody has any input into my life. It's not as helpful as it could be. And so... Uh, we've got a, a plethora of CDs and DVDs and MP3 and iPods and, you know, you name it. it. It seems like you walk around these days, heaps of people got stuff sticking in their ears, don't they? It's everywhere. Like I said, in New Zealand we have Resonate. We use Resonate. It's a blessing. We want people to to listen to sermons. We want you to listen to sermons. If you're not able to make it providentially, God doesn't make, make that possible for you to be here. We want you to listen to those sermons. When you're not here, you can go and download those or listen to them on your computer. 
We want other people, even around the world, are listening to these. And so there's far more than resonate, by the way. It's amazing. There's sermon audio, sermon index, sermon cloud, just to name a few of the big ones. When I was doing some research for this, I, 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 I'm familiar with sermonaudio.com, so I looked up their website, and they said they have over 718,000 sermons that you can download. To date, they said over 80 million sermons have been downloaded all over the world. There's over 1 million new downloads each month. The site receives over 20 million page views each month. SermonAudio.com consistently ranks in Google's top search results when searching for audio sermons. It's massive. And that's just one site. Another one that I'm familiar with I, I use often is Grace to You. Uh, and that's a ministry of the Grace Community Church. Uh, they have a, a, a radio program that airs more than 1,000 times daily throughout the English-speaking world. Every day, 1,000. Uh, they're reaching you know, major population centers in every continent of the world. It also airs nearly 1,000 times daily in Spanish. And I, I even heard that in, in uh, the year 2012 alone, uh, that Grace to You was having 50,000 downloads every day. 50,000 downloads every day. That's sermons. So what does that tell you? There are a lot of people involved in autonomous sermon listening. They're doing it by themselves. And, that, and it's a blessing, but it's not as good as community sermon listening. So let me ask you this. Are you listening alone? Are you listening alone? And you say, well, hey, you know, I don't even, you, you might say, I don't even know what some of those things are. I've never even done, you know, I've, I haven't done the virtual church. That doesn't apply to me. I don't have a Christian avatar. You know, I, I don't, I haven't done this self-designed streaming stuff or, um, you know, you know, I may have seen some religious television, but I'm not really into that. And, and, you know, if you're coming here, of course, you're not a part of a mega church. You don't have an international pastor. There's no multi-site church here. You know, and, and you might be thinking, uh, some of you, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, some of you may not even listen to sermons online. Some of you may not even own an iPod. I, I don't. Uh, I just have a cheap old MP3 player. So you say, well, th- what does this have to do with me? <laughs> I, can, I, I know, I know what some of you are thinking. It's very easy for us to say, that's somebody else you're talking about, not me. Let me put it to you this way. If you're one of those people thinking, that doesn't apply to me, let me ask you this. Does the sermon drive your fellowship? When you come here and listen to a sermon on Sunday, are you doing it individually and only by yourself? Or is there some community involvement in this? Does the sermon drive your fellowship? Now, I'll I'll explain more in a little bit. What what does that look like? How can we do that? What are some ways we can put the uh, community sermon listening into practice? But before we do that, we really need to look at what Scripture says, okay, before we get into some practices. But uh, we all listen to sermons. You're here. You're listening to one. So we spend a lot of time during our lifetime listening to sermons, but has someone ever taught you how to listen to a sermon? Are you doing it properly? Have you ever been taught? So what I want to do is just build a case right now for community sermon listening, and then I'm going to give you some practical ways that you can apply it and, and practice it. But first of all, let's see what the Bible says about community life in the church. The Bible says a lot about community life in the church, and we read earlier from 1 Corinthians 12, but I want to just highlight a few verses here for us and and think about this. Uh, Before we look at this, though, remember the Apostle Paul is writing to a specific local church, and this local church had heaps of issues. Uh, Read the book of 1 Corinthians, and you'll find almost every chapter is a new issue that Paul had to deal with. It was a divided church. They had a lot of problems. 
selfishness was reigning supreme. Pride was all over the place. People were doing what they wanted to do. Love was lacking, which is why in chapter 13 he has to address love. So having said that, keep that in mind as we read 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18. Verse 18. Paul says to this divided church, he says, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as He chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the hand to the feet, I have no need of you. One of the things God's showing us here is that each one of us is unique. We are all unique, and the reason that we are unique is because God made us. God made us exactly the way we are and has put us into this body. Not all of us are an eyeball. We're not all an ankle or a foot or a hand or some other part of our body we can't see. But God made you unique has fit you into this body to be used in this body. And if you read all of of 1 Corinthians 12-14, you find the spiritual gifts are given to each believer for the edification of the body, to build a body up, to make a body healthy and useful. As we think about sermon listening, though, did you know that we need each other even in sermon listening? God says we need each other. We need each other. But we need each other in sermon listening. I have inherent weaknesses where you're strong. I need you to help me. I have strengths where you're weak, and I can help you. And the sister sitting next to you can help you, and the brother sitting next to you can help you. God hasn't made you, uh, shall we say, complete. You don't have all the spiritual gifts. You you have at least one, but you don't have them all. Only Jesus Christ had them all. (laughs) So you're not complete. You need other people. And so we need each other. I need you, you need me, and we call this community. We also see in Hebrews chapter 10, turn over to to Hebrews chapter 10, that God commands us here to stimulate and encourage each other. Remember, what what I want to do here is I'm trying to build a case for community. Nowhere do you see in the Bible where you can be this this lone ranger Christian, the, the the hermit, the uh, secret agent kind of a Christian, the one who's all by themselves, never involved in a community. You don't see that in Scripture. In fact, we're commanded here to meet together. It's not an option. Look at Hebrews 10, verse 24. The command here in verse is right here in verse 24. It says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. How are we going to do that? Well, verse 25 elaborates here for us. How are we going to do this? God says, verse 25, You're not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. My friend, is the day drawing near? Yes. Every day you live, the day that Christ is coming is drawing more and more near. So at the longer you live, the more we need to do this. You are to, in verse 24, consider how to stir up other people to love and good works. The, the idea is there, you're to stimulate people. You're to encourage each other. You cannot do that by yourself. <laughs> Which is why you're commanded to meet together with other believers. Someone has said it this way, that sanctification is a community project. By sanctification, I just mean where you're continually in this process of being set apart from sin 
unto God. So as you put off, you always have to put on. It's a community project. God designed it that way. God designed you for you to be a part of a body so that your rough edges can get rubbed off, so to speak, by other people. Where people can be involved in your life. Iron sharpening iron. Where God will use people to help conform you to the image of Christ. That's not an option. It's not an option. You can't say, well, you know, I can't find a church or I don't like the churches. You know, there's, there's nowhere in my city. No, you, you can't use those excuses. All right? If, if you can't find a healthy church where you, you can agree on the essentials and find unity in essentials, then you need to move. Firmly convinced you need to move. My wife and I did that. We, we, we moved a long ways away. I'm not talking about to New Zealand, but when we were, even when we were in the United States, we moved just to go to a church without a job. The job's not important. The church was. So if you need to do that, by all means, do so. If uh, God should take you from here. Another aspect that is building this case of community sermon listening is the one and other commands in Scripture... Uh, reveal God's interest in community. Often we take these individualistically. We take them as individuals and apply this to our lives, right? But do you realize many of the books in your New Testament were written to churches? And on top of that, which is where most of these one another commands come from, they are plural commands. They are not singular. They're not isolated for you. They are for the whole body. The whole body is to obey these commands together. You don't believe me? You can look it up. All right? These are plural commands. And we don't have time to look at the... There, there is a plethora. There are heaps of one another commands in Scripture. I, I did a quick look in my concordance at home, and I was like, man, that's a lot. I'm not even going to take the time to count all those. There, there was like couple pages, right? There was a lot to go through. So let me just give you a few to quickly think about here. In James 5.16, it says, this is a command, plural command, confess your sins to one another. So you're to meet together to confess your sins to other believers. James 5.16 also says you are to pray for one another. Romans 14.19 says, build up one another. Galatians 6.1, the idea there is you are to restore one another. If someone falls, so to speak, involved in sin, they have a fault, you're to restore. Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another. Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another. 1 Peter 4.9, show hospitality to one another. Galatians 5.13, serve one another. Colossians 3.13, forgiving each other. Colossians 3.16, teach and admonish one another. 1 Peter 1.22, love one another. 1 Thessalonians 4.18, encourage one another. And then we already looked at Hebrews 10.24, you are to stimulate one another. You are to encourage one another. All right, we could keep going. But you get the point, I hope. This is community. It's not something you can do by yourself. How can you do one another by yourself? You can't. That's impossible. You have to have a community. And that's why these are plural commands. God's commanding the church, every local church, to be doing these things amongst, amongst each other. And that's why you need to be committed to a one specific local church. Because you can't do this to every believer in the world. You can't. It's impossible. So you've got to, you've got to, shall we say, bring that huge, massive size down to something that's manageable. You can't love everybody in the world. You can't bear everybody's burdens in the world. You can't pray for every believer in the world. So, but you can do that for this group of people. Turn over to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. 
Acts 2 gives us the four core activities of the local church. These are things that that uh, we are to constantly be doing on a regular basis. There's a lot of things we could be doing and aren't doing because one reason is you don't see them here. These are the core. Everything revolves around these, if you will. So the essential church activities that we're going to look at here in Acts 2.42 are all about community. These are not to be done in isolation. So look at Acts 2.42. The early church, that's the they mentioned in verse 42, the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So the four core activities are mentioned there. You'll see, number one, the teaching of the Word of God. Fellowship, that's your Greek word koinonia. The idea is a sharing, a, a, com, a community, a communion. Breaking of bread would include uh, Lord's Supper amongst uh, hospitality in the homes, fellowship in the homes as well, and of course prayers. So we got four core activities of the local church mentioned there. And the whole concept of community sermon listening is taking one of those four core activities, which is fellowship, and combining that with the doctrine. Taking fellowship and doctrine and bringing them together. The doctrine being the, the teaching, the biblical teaching of the apostles. They're the foundation of the church. Christ is the chief cornerstone. So on that, we bring fellowship and this biblical teaching together, and you can do that in community sermon listening. Now turn over to 1 John 4. 1 John 4. First John 4. Look what John says here. First John 4, verse 1. He says, Beloved, again, plural, beloved, believers, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So we're calling this community sermon testing. All right? Don't turn your mind off when you're listening to sermons. Okay. And by the way, the, again, this is plural. It's a plural command. You, you are not to do this on an individual basis. This is to be done in a group. So let me, let me put it to you this way. The, the, like I said, these commands are second person plural. The community is required to do this. So, so every time you listen to a sermon, this is the, the, the testing of the pulpit is to be done in a group. You need your fellow believers. Very easy for us to somehow uh, to, to get distracted, to, to focus on one aspect. We, we could lose the main point or right, get something wrong. And here's, here's the, the value of being part of a group. Now, I know group think can be bad. Group thinking can be bad sometimes, but hopefully amongst believers who have the Holy Spirit and the Word of God driving us and leading us, hopefully, hopefully we can be unified. So the testing of the pulpit is to be done in a group. So again, we got plural commands in the Bible. Uh, the, these commands are not about you, singular. They are, if you come from the southern part of the states, it's y'all. You ever heard y'all, right? It's y'all. It, it's, it, that's plural, in case you didn't know that. It's yous. It's not you, it's yous. These, this is to be done plural in community. You say, that's great, okay. I, I can see that in the Bible, but how do I do this? How is this lived out in my life? How can I practice this? Well, let's look at... Uh, we're going to look at some ways to practice community sermon listening before the sermon, during the sermon, and after the sermon. Let's just get practical here, okay? Number one, 
Let's think about some ways to practice community sermon listening before the sermon. The first thing you can do is confess your sins to one another. That's James chapter 5. It's, it's a command. It's not an option. You are to do this in community. It's plural. You confess your sins to each other. That's one of the things that's going to help us when we come to listen to a sermon, that our heart will be right with God if, if we come with this repentant heart. God commands you to do this. A second thing you can do is gather to pray for the preacher. You ever done that? Preachers need prayer. <laughs> okay? Uh, hopefully, preachers are praying for themselves and the, that God's Word would go forth and work in your hearts, but you need to be praying that for yourself, pray for the preacher, pray for each other. But gather to pray. Don't just do it individually. Do it in a group. Remember Charles Spurgeon one time was taking some uh, a group of visitors who had visited the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London, he, and, he, and, and he was showing them around, and he led them into the basement underneath their, their church building there, and there were hundreds and hundreds of people praying. And they're like, what, what's going on here? These people are praying for the message and for the preacher. And Charles Spurgeon said, this is the powerhouse. It's what's driving the preaching of God's Word. Number three, gather to pray for the listeners, not just the preacher. Gather to pray for the listeners, for you and for others. Number four, gather to read the Bible passage that's going to be preached. Here's one of the blessings of expositional preaching. Okay, You know what's coming the next week. So you can, you can read that passage ahead of time. You can be praying about it all week. You know what's coming. And you can, don't just do it individually. Do it with your spouse. Do it with the other believers in the congregation. Show up early and do that. Number five, discuss the Bible passage then. Don't just read it, you can discuss it. Discuss it amongst yourselves. You know, bombard the passage with questions. It's a good way to do it. Just bombard it with questions. What, what does that mean? Who's that? Where's that person going? What's that person doing? Right? You're just bombarding it with questions. You can do not only discuss the Bible passages, but number six, you can post on social media if that's the sort of thing you do. I know some of you don't. So Facebook or whatever you, you might use for your social media, don't just use it to waste time, which a lot of people, probably most people do, waste a lot of time with Facebook and the other social media sites. Why don't you use it to carry on a Bible discussion? Talk about the sermon. That's a good way to fellowship. You can use, uh, utilize a church blog or a website. Some churches do this sort of thing. They carry on, a, you know, might have a chat room or something online to do that sort of thing. Uh, we don't, we don't necessarily have the means to do that, but if God so leads you to do so, maybe that's some ministry you could start. So these are just some practical ways that we can be involved in the community sermon listening before the sermon. But how are you going to do that during the sermon? How about during the sermon? Number one, you need to commit to regular attendance. Hebrews 10 commands us to not forsake the assemblings so that we can stimulate and encourage one another to love and good works. But you've got to be in regular attendance to do that. Hit and miss is, is not helpful, especially when we're going through, say, a book of the Bible like Matthew. You've got to stay in that flow. You've got to stay in the flow of the stream of the book of Matthew to understand what's going on. If you get outside that and you miss a week, then it's, you're, you're, you're going to feel like you're a little bit in the dark. Some of you are experiencing that, right? If you don't come every single week, you're like, okay, all these people are talking about this and I don't have a clue what they're talking about. Or the preacher's talking about this and, and, and you feel like you're scratching your head wondering, I'm not getting it. And the reason you're not getting it is because you haven't been in the flow. You miss, you miss a week you're going to get outside that flow. Number two, arrive early so your heart is prepared to hear God's Word. Okay, Those of you who show up at 11 or even 10 o'clock, 
your heart isn't prepared like it should be. Okay? Just rushing in and running by people and quickly sitting down is not preparing your heart. Okay? We start before 10 o'clock. Okay? The fellowship is starting before 10 o'clock, and you need to be here fellowshipping, preparing your heart, and involved in other people's lives. The sermon listening starts before 10, not at 11. Okay? And so if you're rushing in, you're distracted, and you're distracting everyone else. Remember, 1 Corinthians 12 says, I need you, you need me. So you're shortchanging yourself, and you're hurting me and the other believers in our congregation when you do that. Okay? You might think it's only hurting you, but you're not an island. You affect other people. You need to prepare your soul, so don't distract others. Number three, pray for those sitting next to you. Pray for those sitting next to you. So, so you know, you're sitting there, you might think, well, hey, that sister's sitting up in front of me, I'm going to pray for her. Or you might look out of the corner of your eye, that brother over there, I'm going to pray for him. That's one thing you can do. Number four, a model, model attentiveness to others. Just be aware you can distract other people. All right? Especially if you're sitting up here anywhere. If you're not in the back row, you can be a distraction. <laughs> okay? So anything you do can be a distraction. So, so, like, for example, picture this. Someone doing this, scratching the back of their head. Or stretching. Oh, right? Yep. What are you thinking? Are you thinking about the Bible passage being preached? No, you're thinking, man, that guy has long arms. Is he stretching or he must have dandruff. Maybe he didn't use head and shoulders for his shower this morning. Right, you're thinking about all sorts of other things. You're distracting people when you do that. You need to model attentiveness to others. And number five, participate in the offering. Why participate in the offering? Well, we don't pass around plates, but what you're doing is you're con- the, the offering that you give to God is your contribution to the, to the ministry of the preached Word. Just think about this. If, if you didn't give financially, there would be nothing going on here on Sundays. Nothing. You wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. All right? So you're contributing to the, the, the preaching ministry by your offering. Number six, prepare for fellowship and discussion that is to come after the message. So you can be, one of those things you can do is take a few notes, for example. That's a good way to do that. At least be thinking in, in your mind, you know, hey, who am I going to talk to? Uh, how is God using this message in my life? And so that you can go, you can walk up to anyone, anybody in the congregation and say, this is what God is doing in my heart. God, God used his word here in, in this chapter, in this verse. And, and for some reason, I've never seen that before. Or God is, is renewing something I have seen before. I need to do this. You can, you can carry on a conversation like that after the sermon, but you need to, you need to prepare for that. Let's think about eight ways to practice community sermon listening after the sermon. So what do you do after the sermon? Number one, hang around. First of all, you're not going to have community sermon listening and fellowship working together if you don't stick around. You know, if all you, I don't know what you, people do all sorts of things Sunday afternoons. Right? Some people, uh, their habit is they go to restaurants. It's not so much a thing here in New Zealand, but I know in the United States. I mean, the joke was, hey, i got to beat the Methodist to the restaurant. Because, you know, if I hang around church and actually fellowship with people and talk about the sermon, there's going to be this huge line out the restaurant door. And then I'm going to have to wait an hour to get served. We don't have that problem so much here, but... Don't be thinking that. Don't be thinking, oh, you know, my roast might be burning or whatever. We have all sorts of things distracting us. Now, you, you, you should be thinking, I'm hanging around to fellowship with God's people. That's part of community sermon listening. Number two, engage in sermon discussion after the message. And by the way, uh, <clears throat> what happens sometimes is roast preacher happens. <laughs> Roast preacher is what, what, what believers do after the message, and they critique the message, and they think they're judges in the Olympics. You know, you ever seen the judges in the Olympics? You know what I'm talking about? You know, somebody 
you know, in, whether it's, say, gymnastics, for example, right? Somebody does, you know, all their somersaults and their the rings and whatever they do in the gymnastics, and then the judges will hold up their cards. That was a 7.5, right? Well, you may not do that literally, but unfortunately, a lot of a lot of believers are sitting there judging the message, and they're holding up 7.5 in their mind. Or that was an eight message, or that was a six, or that was that was really bad. That was a one, right? And so, and then they go home, and they might invite other believers over their house, show hospitality. They talk about the sermon, and then it becomes a roast preacher time. Well, let me remind you that you're the one on trial, not God's word. God's word is not on trial. You are. You must respond to God's word. Okay? It's a bit like the, uh, I heard a story one time. I don't know if this is true or not, but uh, the, the, curia- the curator of the uh, Louvre Museum in Paris had some, some cr- critic come up and wanted to see the Mona Lisa, one of the, maybe the world's most famous paintings. He walks up and, and he's standing, and, you know, he's stroking his shin, looking at the Mona Lisa, and he's thinking, wow, why is that thing so famous? And he's, Man, that's actually smaller than I thought it'd be. Man, that woman's not, she's not actually that attractive. Well, you know, and, and he's, he's standing there, whoa, that brush stroke could have been better. And he's, he's critiquing this thing. And the curator of the Louvre Museum said, excuse me, sir, the Mona Lisa's not to be judged. You are the one being judged. And so every time you come and you listen to a sermon, God's word is not on trial. You are. And you need to respond properly to that. So, by all means, engage in sermon discussion. Some of you know I like to come in, and afterward I'll come and talk to you. How has God used the message in your life today? That's one of the questions I like to ask. You don't have to use that. But you come up with whatever suits you. Go and talk to people. And then pray with somebody after the message. Sometimes in the midst of having discussion about the sermon, you might say somebody might say, you know, God has convicted me about this, or I've seen my sin in this way, or whatever, and, uh, and someone might say, would you, would you pray with me? And that, that's a good time to pray with that sister or brother. Number four, respond directly to the preacher. You can respond directly to the preacher. You, uh, it's always encouraging whoever the preacher might be, go and say, hey, thank you, thank you, brother, for sharing the word. Uh, God has, has used this passage in my life, and if you want to get into specifics, that's fine. I tell you, at Men's Retreat, uh, I notice it's the... Uh, it's the Islanders. The Islanders are really good at this. Uh, and when I preached at Men's Retreat, the, the, Island, the, the Islanders made a line. You know, all the white guys like me, you know, they, they didn't, no, they weren't standing in line. It's the Islanders. You know, after I'm done preaching, I, I couldn't even go and get my food for supper. Because they're standing there. They all want to come and talk to me about how God has used his word in their life. <laughs> Which is kind of embarrassing. But anyway, that... Uh, I'm not saying please don't line up. That, that is not why I'm saying this. But one, that's just one of those things you can do. Okay. Number five, you can post on social media when you go home. If you do such things like that, you might say, hey, the message today was, was on this, and I'm going to do this because God's Word says this. Right? I don't know. Just an example. You can engage in hospitality. Uh, when I was growing up, every Sunday night after the Sunday evening service, Heaps of people from our church, because we that was the, the air we breathed. We would all we'd all go to someone's house or go out to a restaurant. And we'd have we'd have discussions at the restaurant or at someone's home. And we continued the sermon sermon listening. Number seven, consider corporate confession. Again, James five tells us we're to do this, confess our sins to one another corporately. Number eight, you can attend sermon-based small groups. Now, we don't have one at the moment, but if you want to do one, good on you. Go for it. Some churches do that. What they do in the midweek is is they'll talk about the sermon from Sunday. Okay, that's a great thing to do. So, we've talked about uh, the four core activities from Acts 2, verse 42. I want to uh, just, just think about those for a moment. The early church, it says, devoted themselves to this biblical teaching coming from the apostles, the apostles' doctrine, 
But it also says they devoted themselves to fellowship, they devoted themselves to communion, and they devoted themselves to prayer. And so what, what, I, what I've done here on the screen for you is, is I want you to consider this, all right? Community sermon listening takes two of the elements of those four core activities of the local church and brings them together. So if you think of it this way, it takes the koinonia, the sharing, the communion, the fellowship, and, and, and adds biblical teaching to that and brings them together. And what you get is, is what others have described as community sermon listening. So my exhortation to you is that, that you would do this, you would pray for this. This, uh, what, what it, you know, it might take time for us to get really good at this, but what I would like to see happen is the air that we breathe, so to speak, just is this. It becomes the norm where we're constantly talking about God's word with one another. And we're not just, not, by the way, we can get really extreme on this, right? There's all, the pendulum swings can go both ways. You know, some people th- get all excited about this, and then they, and they, and they, they really become judgmental and legalistic and obnoxious about people who might come in and dare talk about what happened in their life this week, and say that's not in the Bible. All right, so don't don't make the pendulum go that far. Okay. All right, it's not wrong to talk about what God has done in your life this week. We all have certain things that God is doing. We have needs. There's things we can pray about and help one another. Okay, that's good. All right? But what should drive a lot of our conversations should be the Bible, particularly the sermons. So my exhortation is that you would make this activity, if you will, a normal part of our church. A normal part of our church. At the moment, it's not. But my prayer is that it will be so that each of us are, are encouraging and stimulating in, in the air of the Bible. It becomes the air we, we breathe, and, and so we, we help each other in this way. So would you please, if you're not fully convinced about the community aspect of, in, the, in the life of the church from Scripture, I encourage you, go back and study the Scriptures. You're not sure where to go? I can help you, all right? Please come and talk to me. If you're not fully convinced about that, Go to Scripture so you can be convinced. Those of you who are convinced from Scripture that the community aspect of the church is something God tells us to do, then, then pray about this. You're, you say, man, I'm finding this uncomfortable, or this is, I don't know, something's just rubbing me the wrong way. Pray about it, okay? Would you at least pray about this? And those of you who are fully convinced, start today. Start today. You can start today. Put put. Put something into practice. You say, man, that's a lot of things to put into practice. And just, if, if you're overwhelmed by eating an elephant, then just take one bite. All right? Just take one bite. Just do one thing. Would you? Okay? And then you, maybe you can expand. Once you get used to doing that one, say, okay, now I'll, I'll do two things. And then you can expand from there. And eventually, you find so, many people have said that after doing something three weeks in a row, that's every day for three weeks, you find that it just becomes a normal thing. It's not so difficult. At first it might be difficult. But practice it. And eventually it becomes normal.